0: Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by
1: aliens who look a lot like humans. Because why would another planet produce anything different? Now, let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Helix. See the new film from Anna Scott where in space there are no horses nor hounds, only psychopathic flesh-eating robots. Helix, in theaters this weekend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you come up with these or do you hire people to write them in their off time?
1: Yeah, I just have a Reddit thread where I'm like, hey... People, here's a random question for everybody, and they just <laughs> feed me all my writing. You know what? I wouldn't doubt it if you did. That would be a good
0: way to do it. I don't know what's weirder, if you actually had that thread, or if you write these at home. What's what's weirder? Toss <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: awesome. Well done. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the... I don't know, podcasts where we like to figure out as filmmakers, why a film ticks, what makes it work or not work, or what can we learn about it? Like I like really using this as a method of trying to make make myself a better filmmaker. When I'm writing a project, I look at it so differently now than I used to. And whenever I'm editing, every phase of it, I'm working on a short film right now on the side where... She just wants the my co-director who just wants me to focus on like visuals. We were sitting having this conversation, and she was like, "Yeah, there's this part that kind of pops out where everything changes and it becomes a music video, and it's her projecting her her life and uh, what she wants it to be or wishes it could be." And I was like, "Oh yeah, what do you think about?" F-? How are you thinking about, you know, representing that information? And she's like, yeah, I don't know. I was like, oh, there's a million ways you can do that. You can make the entire thing black and white except for a few colors. You know, you could put a filter on there. Or even crazier is if you actually painted everybody black and white except for these pops of this and that. Or if, you know, if that's not quite the right visual message that you want to send, it could be, I mean, we just, I just started like, yeah. spouting things. Doing and, your job. Yeah, that, and it all comes out of, I think, studying and trying to understand why we're seeing what we're seeing and how that's going to impact the story and i love you know this is the 89th episode we've done and i don't feel like it's been a waste (laughs) (laughs) yeah no not at all yeah if nothing else it's been a good way to kill time i like killing time
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome yeah so anyway that's what we do here um today what are we doing the cabin in the woods yes so if you have not seen the cabin in the woods please pause this episode because we're going to have serious spoilers galore right we're going to cover oh, yeah. everything so uh, pause this
1: and then come back yeah we'll talk about a couple of things <laughs> I've, maybe I have, literally just a couple of maybe things. literally a couple of things uh, cinematography for sure story and writing um, and other such things and stuff and things and a uh, quick synopsis
0: of the film again spoilers Five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargained for discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods directed by Drew Goddard written by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard cinematography by Peter Deming featuring Kristen Conley as Dana Chris Hemsworth as Kurt Anna Hutchinson as Jules Fran Kranz as Marty Richard Jenkins as Citizen and Bradley Whitford as Hadley.
1: Is this is the right road. It doesn't even show up on the GPS. It is unworthy of global positioning. That's the <laughs> whole point. Get off the grid, right? No cell phone reception. No traffic cameras. Go someplace for one goddamn weekend when it can't globally position my ass, man. You can- This is the whole issue. It is society crumbling, Marty? No. Society is binding, right? It's filling in the cracks with concrete. Everything's filed or recorded blogged, right? Chips in our kids' heads so they won't get lost? Society needs to crumble. We're all just too chicken shit to let it. Oh, I've Rand. You will come to see things my way. So good. <laughs> it's on the I,
0: nose. Man, it's very on the nose after seeing it <laughs> and then you playing that. Very good
1: selection there. It's amazing. Like, yeah. So I assume you've probably only seen this once, like in theater maybe. I mean, yeah, once before in the theater and then this time for this. Yeah. Um, what was the impact on you? Like, is it still as fun the second time around? Okay. Well, let me start by saying I don't like horror films.
0: I've never been a horror fan. I don't like being watching people die. I mean, in horrible, horrible ways, yeah. at least. It's just not my style. So this was much more fun particularly because I, I noticed all the gimmicks that they made fun of or u- utilized you know, the virgin and yeah. you know, the conversations of like do I, do we split up or do we stay together right. like, you know, all of these things and then all of the kind of back end story about you know, what was happening and like they chose their own fate and like, you know the, the guys behind the, the scenes and keeping the keeping Satan down, like all of those things, those, those little add-ons were fantastic, but I love that they made fun of the horror genre, kind of the stupidity of it. I mean, they put all of the things that their choices that they had, they put them in a basement. Yeah. Of course. Like who, who the hell is going to go down to a ba- I'm sorry. If I'm in a cabin at one, I would never go into that cabin Two, If I did go into that cabin and then a door opened from the floor, I would be gone instantly. Um, and three, I probably wouldn't, I'm just never going to go camping ever again. But it's a great out of the woods.
1: <laughs> but what I love about this film is that, yes, they're making fun of it, but they're doing it in such an intelligent way. It's oh, yeah. like it's, it's like an on. It's an honoring of. of yeah, yeah, certainly yeah, paying homage. And it's almost like they're saying, well, not almost. They seem to be literally saying like, OK, how can we justify all of these actions by these characters. Why do characters make stupid decisions? And so there's a heavy amount of symbolism that's going on in this film with uh, like all the all the guys running it, you know, uh, Hadley and Siderson, played by Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. Um, they're representing filmmakers. Like they're the filmmakers and the gods that are uh, looking to be appeased are us, the audience. Like this is all very hand in hand. And they're saying, you know, this is kind of a a traditional way of looking at horror films. And here's why all these things happen. It's because we're trying to appease our gods. Um, Mm -hmm. And in that way, I think they're also doing a send off saying that, you know, maybe audiences don't really want this anymore. Um, And so we're going to kind of tear it all apart i like that and, and deconstruct it i like that and now you know we're we're making room for something else yeah uh, audiences are wanting something else and so they're taking over now i like that a lot
0: i it, instead of just making making a movie to pay homage to the the old ways which it does Absolutely. or to make fun of it which it does yeah. uh it's kind of like a passing of the baton almost from from this kind of little bit you know for lack of a better term, campiness. Or, yeah, or a oh, pun. Absolutely, because you know? you, like you said, they so. have
1: all the archetypes. They have the jock, the fool, the vixen, yeah, uh, the virgin, the all virgin. that stuff. Yeah. And uh, and what's funny is they have the scholar, but in this case, the scholar isn't the one who pieced it all together. Right. It was the fool. It was the fool. Yeah. yeah. And of course, they use pot as the the main reason that he was able to do that at all. And so they're trying to you know subvert because normally the kid smoking weed is like the first the first to go go. (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and we think that he's one of the first i think he's like the second i guess (laughs) to go
1: right then he you know survives of course yeah uh but yeah i mean they even use the wolfman um as the as the reason that everything kind of crumbles at the end uh whenever she's looking to kill him and satisfy the gods right wolf wolfman comes behind her and like snacks on her yeah uh and you know, the the Wolfman and Werewolf, that's super classic original Hollywood stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Um, That's about as old as it gets as far as, you know, cinematic uh, horror films go. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, for all those reasons, and I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. How do you get laughs out of someone, like, being just slapped around? Like, they have a woman who's getting the sh... Nike's beat out of her. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to fix it in post. That's yes, nice. right. <laughs> good job. And she's just getting, you know, completely beat down. But it's hilarious because, you know, I mean, they do a really good, seamless job of switching using, you know, the tone, lighting, music, the performance are all shifting depending on whose perspective it is that we're supposed to be using. Because when we're in the scene with her, it is scary. Yeah. It's really good horror. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we remove ourselves and now it's got this kind of TV glossy look to it and the, the contrast is all gone, it's flat it, and we're kind of seeing it from their point of view and they're having that party. Like suddenly a woman getting wailed on by a zombie is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like watching it happen, but they're like,
0: yeah. you know, drinking champagne in the background, in, in the foreground. Yeah. Celebrating. Yeah. um, so what would you give it then? Oh man. Out of 10.
1: That's so difficult. I mean, for me it's probably like an 8. Okay. Yeah. I I deeply, you know, appreciate it and and love it. I don't think there's just a ton of rewatchability for me and there's also just There's a certain amount of staleness that kind of creeps in in certain points for me. Mm -hmm. Like, we're waiting on the zombies to kind of come. And, I mean, it's fun. That tension is fun, you know, for a few times. But uh, I also just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, they do get into
0: it quickly. They do. You know? And a lot of stuff happens, like, boom, 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 boom. Which is great, right? Uh, They don't leave you in suspense, like, the whole time. You're just... it's And it's cool, because something new keeps coming, you know? But...
1: I don't think that they were thinking they were going to make something timeless. True. Even though I think they, they did. I think it is timeless. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't think it's going to be something that I will, I throw on super often. Yeah, I'm not, sure. It's something that I want to talk about and I want to, you know, laugh about like yeah. the freaking unicorn. You know? <laughs> It's a good way to,
0: to show that you can make a lot of things funny that are not supposed to be funny. Yeah. Right. But let's, let's take a step back and, Instead of talking about it being more of a comedy, about being a horror, right? Okay, so what defines horror? Is it is it because I'm scared as a viewer? Is it because somebody on screen is scared? Is it because somebody's dying or being killed or chased or something?
1: Or One of the hallmarks of a horror film, as opposed to something like a thriller, would be a creature. Horrors. Typically, yeah, uh, I, I would yeah. I would struggle really badly to come up with a a horror film that isn't a creature feature of some sort, even if it's you know a ghost or um, superpowers of some kind. So not a human. It can be a human. Uh, it but, can be. Uh, it, it can be, but more often than not. I think those, even though they're scary, they're psychological thrillers more than they are horror films. Okay, and it's hard to have that conversation. We. Bend over backwards to not discuss other films, uh, just to keep you know the spoilery nature free of everything. But I think, yeah, on average, whenever it is a person, you're usually going to get more into psychological tension, Good point. And, and yeah, and in that way, maybe a psychological horror. Uh, but I think a, a core element of a horror film is probably going to be that uh, it has a creature and there's a lot of uh, suspense for sure. The suspense comes mostly from the threat of violence. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's, okay. and then, and the nice thing, and I think we'll dip into this at the very end of the episode, but I think one of the nice things about horror films is it's usually uh, surfacing our own hidden fears and it's allowing us to kind of exercise these things. Like what would you do? I mean, we do this all the time. That's what, oh, a, yeah. that's what a nightmare is. It's what would you do in this scenario? Right. And we have these day, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of like day terrors where I'm wide awake and I'm thinking about someone getting hurt. Oh yeah. Like, what, what would I do there? Oh yeah. Um, and so it's kind of playing on this idea of what's the worst that can happen and what do your fears realize? What do you do and how do we respond to that? And, uh, it's certainly toying on, you know, the dark. Why do you think you do that? Um, I'm, I spend an ungodly amount of time inside my head mm. and I, you run out of things to think about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For me, I think it's, it's a fear of not, not knowing what to do yeah. in a, like in a split second when I have to react. And so I'm afraid of that. So I try to sometimes put myself in terrible situations in my head. Preparing, so that I, right? Yeah. Just kind of preparing in case that terrible thing
1: may happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to what we did in football. Like i remember every away game, we'd be sitting on the bus and yeah. from seventh grade through senior year, like coaches did the same thing every single away game. They'd tell us to shut up if we're being loud, you know, within 30 minutes of arriving and they're like, start running through the plays in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your assignments? What are we keying on this week? And I would, I don't know if everyone else did that, but I would, I will start thinking through the plays and recognizing I played linebacker. So being able to recognize the play very quickly, uh, it's a benefit. And so I think, horror allows us to kind of like you were saying, like imagining these things prepares you for that yeah. eventful day. And you're just a little bit faster because of that. Yeah. Well, you know, then I'm
0: taking lessons uh, from mo- movies like this and like, I don't know, other poltergeist movies where some it, it, dude, if anything happens in this house, I'm out. I will sell this son of a, th- bitch to, tomorrow, but I'm going to stay at a hotel with my family tonight. Like, seriously, I'm out. Done. I don't, I don't mess around with that kind of stuff.
1: You know what I thought was interesting? Because another key feature of horrors is it's about morality and the character's ability to choose good over evil oh, right. um, yeah. and being good people, which, you know, they, another classic thing that they're drilling down on is they all have to choose their, their own destiny. We help along the way, of course, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're deciding their fates. Mm. And so at the very beginning, I thought one of the cool things was he sees the picture and it's clearly designed to you don't want this hanging on the wall that with the murder and sacrifice and all the blood he's like this is horrifying. And he takes it down. and He sees the two way uh, the one way mirror and he's like, oh, snap. And he has to at that point to make a decision. Do I do the right thing or do I in, indulge my, my cravings, you know, my lust Yeah, and you did the right thing. And they yeah, kind of yeah. keep tinkering on that throughout the whole film. And I, yeah, that's another button that's being pushed because we're able to, David Fincher loves to say that we're all perverts. Everybody in society is a pervert and he just likes to explore that. Um, and, and give people, you know, some of these tastes of perversion. And in here, of course they're allowing the character to make the right decision and see what happens now. Because the the easy thing to do is just let him watch her take her top off mm-hmm. and say nothing. But seeing that he's actually wrestling with this moral quandary is, is satisfying to make our other characters work a little bit harder. Yeah. Like, that's... I don't know. And, but it's it's also character
0: development, right? Like, you want to like that guy. You want... they want you to like that guy because they want you to want the guy and the virgin to get together, right? Yeah. And and so when he dies, it's much more impactful than say when uh the blonde at the beginning mm-hmm. dies. I mean, that's impactful cuz it's the first one, yeah. I guess, but not because I'm going to miss her as a character. Right. Right. Um but they 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 do a really good job I think developing all the characters into what they're supposed to be. The super, it, it's just a shallow superficial thing,
1: but who did you notice you were rooting for throughout the film? did it change? Was it always one thing or was it ambiguous you didn't know what to root for yeah i was i was like a little shocked and i guess I could use
0: the word upset i don't know when uh what's his name the 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 stoner guy oh the fool yeah, the fool died uh well when i thought he died marty right. yeah. marty, thank you. I was like, "Oh man, I like that guy. He's <laughs> fun and funny. I mean, the <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the the coffee oh, bong the- was." <laughs> genius and the the fact that he used it as like a baseball bat to hit the zombie was like oh, you gotta love this guy right and so when when the, the zombie drags him down into the pit you're thinking oh man really he was the comic relief he was like the thing that was gonna hold that was gonna carry me through this almost you know um, cause I always look for some kind of relief mm-hmm. when I watch movies like this I, I don't like being in that
1: pit for that long And it's interesting. That's what makes this work so well is comedy pairs really well with horror when done right because we do have that internal tension that's being built up through the horror. Yeah. And we're looking for that release valve. Totally. And they just nail it every time. Uh, All the jokes land for me. Yeah. You know, they, they have the guy on speakerphone who's talking just crazy, you know, appease the gods kind of nonsense. And they're all just making fun of him. And then he realizes it's my own speakerphone. Like, they they really play with all these tropes in a super effective way. And Joss Whedon is just a really funny writer yeah. um, inherently. So I can see his influence for sure in some of these things. But I I feel like I was always rooting for our people, the victims. Oh, just all of them? Yeah, I felt okay. like I was. Yeah, um, I wasn't excited to see anybody go. And it was nice that i don't think any of them ever really i mean i guess in terms of horror rules jules you know gave in to lust and i mean she was drugged and so you know it's not entirely fair but in terms of horror rules she she gave in whereas the jock uh kurt he didn't give in i felt like he was you know trying to protect and help everybody the entire way through uh and i mean Literally, he died trying to save everyone's life. He's like, I'm yeah. going to go for help. Everyone kind of kept their, their morality. Yeah, that's and, true. And even through the very end, whenever she was deciding, do I kill my friend or let the entire world die? That's a tough question. You know. Yeah. How do you resolve that? And at the end of the day, she was like, yeah, maybe, it's, maybe it is our time. Yeah. You know, we've had our chance. Um, and so I, And that was a hard moment, too, because he was going to die no matter what happened. The logical thing is to just kill him so that not only you survive, but the entire world survives, right? Yeah, but she held on to, I guess, uh, her morality that entire way. And it's like, no, you know what, is it worth it? Probably not. No, I think you know, if we're speaking, I mean, logically, then, yeah, you got to kill him. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's a hard thing because it's it's like, oh man, I don't even. Yeah, I don't want to go down that road. Yeah. I don't want to go down that road.
1: But I love, I love the, you know, that they use Sigourney Weaver. And, oh, you know, yeah. That was just a great Out of turn. nowhere. Yeah. I mean, she's a classic horror film. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about Alien, Aliens, uh, even Ghostbusters, it's not a horror film, but uh, just the supernatural. Uh, she's just been a legend in terms of uh, her influence in cinema. So including someone like her, I think, is just really damn cool. Did you expect the ending? No, that was a weird thing. The first yeah. time I watched it, it was just like, where the hell is this going? Okay, yeah, there's a there's there's a sacrifice happening. Mm-hmm. And they do such a great job of just trickling in exposition mm-hmm. a little bit at a time. You start piecing it together. And then I don't think it was until the, the red phone rang that I really figured it out. And I was like, oh, yeah. here's what's happening. Yeah. And you begin to feel that's such a great moment because you think the film is winding down and any time a film can trick you into thinking oh you know we've kind of reached the end of this journey and then when in reality they're just winding up the biggest punch because mm-hmm. seeing those elevators open the first time was just oh my god the greatest joy in a movie theater like yeah. in the last 20 years it's just <laughs> all your dreams as a horror fan for me were just coming true in that moment and yeah. if if the movie were just that uh like and I think that's the, the other interesting thing, I'm going to go on total tangent here, is that you could remove all the scenes, I think, of the, uh, the underground guys, the, the controllers, mm-hmm. and you would still have a really good movie. Yeah, it's true. That tells an interesting story, and we're learning as they're learning, um, mm-hmm. and good just point. following through with their journey. It works so well, but having all that other information, uh, I think, makes it less of, feels less cheaty. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes us a little bit more in on everything and it adds all the levity that you know plays really well too of course right
0: it would have slowed the movie down too to not have that yeah. that in there
1: too yeah that's, so, that's super true yeah but yeah i felt the whole time Good i just kind of kept Good point. rooting for for our guys but at a certain point i do start kind of rooting for for them it's kind of this underdog classic underdog situation well once you find
0: out that the world is at stake and what they're They're doing is to save the world. You're like, oh well. Then it's wrestling. Then I guess it's really good because then you're wrestling with yourself, right? It's like, oh well. That's. Is there a secret option? Is there another way? Yeah, and you like for me, I thought there's another way. Yeah, you know, I really did because usually, I mean, not not always, but usually in like you know the old kind of campier style horror films, somebody survives, right? Even if the bad guy ends up coming back in a sequel, somebody lives through it, mm-hmm. right? Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, you know, like,
1: yeah. usually. Yeah, usually there's a moment where but, they vanquish the enemy. Right, right, at least for the time being. For the time being, and then, like, yeah. a post-credit scene, whatever, The hand coral comes out of the grave or whatever. Yeah, and, and this one, every, like, but
0: it's just a moment. The big hand coming up and then boom, right on the camera yeah. and it's done. Which is it's again,
1: like, another classic Whoa. horror, you know, trope of yep. the crawling out of the grave kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I have no idea where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I only have literally just minor, minor notes I want to touch yeah. on real quick and Let's do it. we'll get back to the other fun, um, whatever that is. And so there's this opening scene where you and you have no pants like he's. He's carrying on this conversation with her about dating and books and whatever. And then at the end of the scene, he's just like, and you have no pants on. <laughs> and, and she gets suddenly self-conscious. That's so... I think that's a really important scene in a, in a way. Um, and I think it's a callback, again, to classic horror film uh, cinematography because normally, so let's just look through that scene itself. They set up the fact from the opening shot from the outside, she walks over to the window and we can see she's clearly, clearly in her panties and she has a, a blouse on. She's getting ready, you know, looking through her notebook, whatever. And then the the scene more and more starts focusing on uh, medium shots where it's just kind of the waist up and we spend a lot of time in this in this framing in this composition so that even we forget as the scene goes on they already gave us the information yeah yeah but the scene goes on and we begin to forget until the moment where we go back to kind of this medium wide or this wide shot as he makes his joke and it's like oh yeah we forgot like she would ever forget that. But because we visually focus on only what's in frame, so do the characters. The characters are only ever really noticing what's in the frame. And that's kind of a simple way to help the audience lose track and build suspense and also to to kind of sneak in a jab or a left hook when the audience isn't expecting it. Because we begin to forget what else is out there as they draw us in and kind of misdirect us with this other conversation, these other things that are happening? Uh, it's the great way. And so this is an important, you know, horror film principle. Only what's in the frame is what counts. And therefore, anything can be lurking just out of frame. Mm-hmm. Like towards the middle of the film, after Jules gets killed, uh, we see the fool well, yeah. relieving himself. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, And then suddenly... Kurt comes into the frame just yeah. out of nowhere. If you step back and just think about it from a you know a common sense view, he was just he would have seen him coming from like three hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because we couldn't see that in the film, that's where you get these jump scares from. Is that oh here's the thing that's suddenly in the frame. The character didn't see it for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. But it's a, I think they do this really fun gag that they're pointing it out. And the opening and what, you know, the opening scene where we meet all of our, yeah our archetypes. And so that's where the T-Rex come from. Where, yeah. From yeah. wherever I damn well want it to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Camera left. <laughs> yeah And so I thought that was really fun. I love the story and writing. And I think we may have already touched on this. Like, I love that they're drugging them to get them to make these dumb decisions. Right. Mm. And so they're playing around with all the horror rules and, giving us an excuse to kind of play into and laugh at them. And we no longer look down on them for making these bad decisions. I think that's a really cool aspect of this film because normally, right, we're, we're yelling at the characters and rolling our eyes saying, don't go through that door. Don't go down there. Don't whatever. And so we're, we're not as emotionally invested in what's happening with these characters because it feels very cheap and very, uh, Leading, We're just kind of leading us into. And in that way, it can also still create tension because we're like, why are you doing this? Well, they're curious. Uh, And there's excuses you can make, but I think it also creates an emotional dissonance. Um, Whereas here, we understand why they're making these decisions. He's like, first thing first, we got to stick together. And we see the kind of terror come on the the, the controller group. He's like, trust me. And he drugs them. And suddenly he's like, actually we mm-hmm. need to split up. You know? Yeah. Like what? And so we're suddenly hoping and rooting for them to figure it out. Like no, 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 no. Like and so anytime you start getting the audience to root for something, to hope for something, that's amazing cuz now you can play with our emotions, you can take it away, you can give it back. Uh you can really hurt us in a way that you can't get hurt otherwise. Uh, without emotional investment, you know what do you? What does it really matter? You're just it's yeah. just a popcorn flick.
0: And they gave us hope with the fool with with Marty. He notices stuff is wrong. Yeah, like something's wrong. He's like, don't read the Latin. Yeah. Do not read I'm the Latin. Drawing, la- a, line I'm of drawing the a line at the sand. Drawing a line at the sand on the Latin. No Latin. Uh, you know. So he he underst- He's like the one that gets it yeah. more than anybody. Right. He still fails.
1: It is it, great but- because they kill him. And Mm -hmm. now we're like, crap, the only person who understood is now gone. And then they bring them back... And I love that moment where he's trying to get her to go into the cellar again. Yeah. And she's like, No, how have we learned anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's like, No, trust me. And you get down there and you see that he hacked apart the zombie. No, oh my gosh. <laughs> and it just suddenly you're like, What is happening again? Mm-hmm. And it's just this continual exploration, exploration of everything that's happening uh, subsurface. And now those two worlds begin to collide. And the, one of the most satisfying, dovetailing events of, any horror film that oh, so, I can think of off the top of my head, dude, so good. Just all the all the the creatures from your childhood, yeah, just coming
0: back to destroy and all new mankind. Ones. I love the merman. That's oh, a great gag. So good. So
1: good. <laughs> Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, I I would have to say. I mean, only I would probably give it a seven and a half. Just nice. Yeah, I'm not like I said. I'm not the biggest horror fan. I did in I did enjoy it, but like you said, it's not really rewatchable for me that much. And I I can only take so much campiness and, um, and yeah, it was, it was still really enjoyable to
1: watch. It just wasn't something that I would want to watch, you know, a lot. All these, I was really just happy with all the performances. I mean, it's, it seems like a very simple thing to execute, Hmm. but sometimes I think the hardest thing is to play a role that has this kind of subtextual element to it, whereas we as the audience understand that they're playing horror characters. And so still doing that and keeping it fresh and you know, exercising some autonomy onto your character, yeah. that's a very tricky line to walk. Because they have to play into the character and yet kind of hold something back to to humanize them yeah. and give us something that we like and that we understand um, and that we're rooting for. Otherwise, you're just kind of rooting for them to die, and that's not going to have the emotional resonance that you know we're we're really aiming for. Right. And so I love the uh, like for instance, it's an amazing scene whenever she makes out with the wolf. Like oh. It's yes wow, wildly sensual, uh-huh. and she just nails it, and everyone you know just kind of expresses what the audience is probably feeling like that was one of the most sexual, random things I've ever seen <laughs> well, I was just ready for the thing to bite her face off, it looks so real there's that tension, yeah, the first time I watched it, you just you're waiting because you don't know yeah. what the danger is going to be, yeah, um, and you're certainly waiting for that like wolf to come to life, and so that is a great. The second viewing, I guess, was in that way very different from the first viewing because I already Mm -hmm. knew that tension was completely removed. But the first time, yeah, I was on pins and needles. It was still
0: for me the second time. You were waiting for it? I was waiting for it, even though I knew it wasn't going to happen. I was still like, oh, God, this thing looks so real. This is not good. This is not good. (laughs) Like the tongue is moving. Oh, (laughs) gosh.
1: Oh, So good. Yeah. Great scene. Great scene. Really smart writing. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah that's, that's kinda all I got.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean I enjoyed it. It was it was really it was fun to watch. Would don't really need to watch it again, but I really did enjoy all the performances. Uh Fran Kranz as Marty was really great. I killed it. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth, I forgot he was in this, honestly, he, to be to be honest. He's a fantastic actor. He really is, man. He can pull off that and he can pull off Thor, which is just crazy.
1: And he I've you seen know. him play a villain before. Um Oh yeah. And he I just think he's an underutilized it's one of those classic Brad Pitt issues where mm-hmm. you have a very attractive, you know, person and so you kind of, you know, get tricked into, oh, they're just a good looking guy. And it's like, yeah. no, this guy is a wildly talented actor. Yeah. And that's I think that I think that the older uh, he could be like a Leo
0: DiCaprio kind of thing where like mm-hmm. the older he gets, if he makes good decisions, yeah. you know, on films that he does, he can, he can kind of break out of that. He doesn't seem like, cause like Brad Pitt was just so beautiful, yeah, you know, that whenever you, you know, you see him on screen, he, he takes up the entire screen. Um, even if there's 30 other people on mm. the screen, he's the one you're always looking at. And I think actually I think, you know, as he's gotten older, he's been able to kind of diminish that a little bit, too. You know, he's not like and it feels intentional. Yeah, oh, totally. I think his decisions along with with like Leo's are in that vein of like, you know, I'm going to be an artist. I'm not going to be the face anymore. And, uh, you know, it was, I was fine being the face when I did Romeo and Juliet. I was fine being the face when I did Meet Joe Black. But now, you know, I want to do at Astra and I want to do Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, obviously, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. I want to be part of the story rather than the focus of the story. And I think that, Hemsworth could totally do that if he makes good decisions, you know, and doesn't stay Thor forever. Yeah, he needs to break away from that. I think totally.
1: You know, and I'm excited for that. I yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's nobody in this that I wouldn't want to work with. I mean, if I ever got the the chance to to work with Bradley Whitford, or, oh man, or Richard Jenkins, mm-hmm. my god,
0: yeah, they're they're amazing, and it's so fun. They don't age neither of them they looked exactly the same now that they did 20 years ago like i don't you know uh who's the guy that plays ant-man i forget his name oh yeah paul paul rudd thank you never ages looks exactly the same as he did in wet hot america summer so it's just (laughs) yeah they have that same thing and they're older guys already i don't know how that happened whatever yeah they're amazing actors like everybody was so great and uh, the way that they responded you know to the to the the kids not making the right decisions right they got they got a little worried right and then they handled it and oh, everything's cool you know but to also throw in the the girl that was That was like on their case all the time. Oh, yeah. Forgot her name uh, in the film, at least. Like Lynn. Yeah. 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 Uh, They threw her in and the security guard. (laughs) Just, you know, these little
1: extra characters to kind of like push the plot. uh, Yeah. And it's fun because as you start building up these other characters, it's nice to have these characters that are developed so that when you kill them... It's a shock to the audience. Oh, yeah. I didn't expect that security guy to, to get killed the first time. I was like, oh, this guy's going to come in clutch. Yeah. No. and I mean, he went out with a bang. And uh, why didn't you? You probably didn't because he wasn't privy to the
0: information at the beginning of the story. And then when he got privy, he was like, this is f Yeah. He had reservations. Yes. And, and so morality. you're like, okay, he's on my side because yeah. I think this is f too.
1: So uh, he's got to be safe. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Sorry about it. Safe. Sorry about it. All, you, all of humanity is, is not going to make it. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite scene, though, of this entire film is actually when uh, the little Japanese girls are destroying their monster. Yes. They're all ha- holding they all hands, hands. <laughs> and singing and, like, <laughs> they turning into a frog. It's yeah. the most brilliantly—I
0: was just—I died on that. So the one question I had about all this was why— was there some kind of rule that they had to do... It had to be like a a game? Or that they had to pick how they died and they had to die by some, you know, demon-esque kind of thing? You know, why didn't they just kill them? Because in the end, it was, you need to shoot your friend. Well, it's, it's a, a gun. It's not yeah. like a... You know what I mean? It's, it wasn't not a, a ritual for something no. you know, that was going to kill them.
1: Um, yeah. I think after a certain point... Well, for one, I think the movie is trying to pitch the idea that uh, from the time of volcano sacrifices or whatever, I don't know if that was really... Oh, so they got bored maybe? And so as time has moved on, the appetite of people the gods so to speak which mm. is us humans especially if you believe uh in, gotcha. if you're an atheist or agnostic like there are no gods and so what we're really doing is appeasing humans and so yeah. as those appetites have grown uh so have the condi- uh, conditions of uh meeting these new I don't know circumstances or sacrifices um yeah and so mm. i think it's more more just a reflection of that uh okay and then for I guess uh, some kind of catharsis or it's like a game resolution they game.
0: yeah at a certain <laughs> because they point were betting on things
1: I loved that <laughs> that scene <team> was <is> great
0: <laughs> and then when they thought that because they killed everybody except for her they were like popping champagne and partying and stuff like that because like oh she's, and she's getting thrown around
1: like it's you were saying earlier beat on so, so good <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cool that's yeah. about all I got yeah uh, what, what are you going to recommend this week I, I can't
0: believe that we haven't we've gone 89 episodes and we haven't even, we haven't covered this. We haven't talked about it. We haven't recommended it, but I'm going to recommend Silence of the Lambs. Oh, nice. Um, just a clinic in acting and storytelling and, and screen writing screenplay and like, like music and, you know, suspense without a whole lot of, quote unquote horror mm. you know just a suspenseful yeah film that you know has you on the edge of your seat and you're just like sucked in into the story into the in to the acting into the cinematography like everything about it is just like brilliant it is one of those films that i think that to the day i die is going to be you know up there with, with some of the best you know for, in my mind
1: yeah fan freaking tastic I am going to recommend a horror film by Sam Raimi called "Drag Me to Hell." Oh, I haven't seen that. It's so good, and it's
0: by good you mean I will hate you for watching it, more or less. Yeah, okay, cool, <laughs> got it.
1: And I feel like it, it's it's in that same vein of "Cabin in the Woods." It, okay. it wants to play with the ideas of classic horror films, and it does it in just a really different and unique and uh, fantastic. I highly recommend that. So, and you can see all of that at uh we'll put those trailers in the show notes in case you haven't seen those or you want to you know see what they got going on. Awesome. Great.
0: So, we have a few announcements, a couple of things that we want to announce. First off, now that we are on YouTube and we are out on the web, now you can see we have a new setup. You didn't see our setup before, but it was just a couple of SM58s and yeah. a Zoom um and that's how we would record everything uh but we've since upgraded we have these nice mics we have this nice board and so hopefully everything sounds better but we're really excited about uh debuting this so you're welcome for that, um, and we're really excited. Yeah, dude, thank you. This is all amazing, man. Holy uh, crap! I, you know, I was tired of it sounding like crap, and I wanted it to be good. And I think that we're, which we're is, set up now.
1: Which is funny because I would argue we still sound better than most podcasts. Oh, d- totally. But totally. you are an audiophile, and so <laughs> your standards would be like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to make a movie on my iPhone. I'd, I'd be like, no, 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 you're not.
0: <laughs> just because you can doesn't yeah, mean you should. That's right? Right? Yeah. Just. Because because we can use some fifty eights, doesn't mean we should. Fifty uh, eights are fine. And yep. anybody out there who's making a podcast and you're using fifty-eights, that's you're totally good. fine. You're good. Um I just, you know, this is I amazing. wanted to get something nice because I used to have a full studio in my house and I had nice stuff, like super nice gear and it sounded really good. And uh, you know, just since then I I I want to get back to my audio audiophile roots. So We have this new setup, and we're really excited about it. I've pretty much taken over my wife's office. This is (laughs) our studio now. And that's awesome. And a couple other things. We also have shirts for sale as well. Just one shirt for now. We just want to see if anybody out there, you know, wants a a Pestle shirt. We're going to get some and we'll wear them on uh, some of the episodes maybe. But if you want to get it, we'll have a link in the description and in the show notes for access to that. And we are starting a Patreon as well. Now, I want to say... We're not asking for a lot of money. We're not even asking for money, right, honestly. Yeah. Literally, I just wanted to start it because we have one tier, and it's $2. Nice. And literally all that says is that we don't suck, right? <laughs> um, it's, like a, it's like a, hey, you guys, I get $2 worth of enjoyment from listening to your podcast. <laughs> so uh, $2 a month, which is less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. If you, if you like uh, and you want to help us along, that definitely does help us and it tells us that we're doing something good and we're doing something right. So, uh, have at it. If not, no big deal. No problem. Uh, we don't need your $2 anyway. (laughs) We're solid. Uh, so yeah, so we have the shirts, we have Patreon, we'll have links in the description, links in the show
1: notes and, uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. if you do end up becoming a Patreon subscriber, let us know what kind of things you would like us to offer oh, yes. as a part of that, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have anything really tied
0: to that. Yeah. If you just want us to say your name and thank you, we will definitely do that. If you want us to uh, slap each other, um, ah, I don't know. Two bucks is not really enough for that. Yeah. Oh, I'll do. I'll slap you for two bucks. Okay, fine. You know, just tell us what you want, and we'll we'll uh, do what we can. So yeah.
1: Fantastic! Um, so this week's short spotlight is actually yes. going to be a an album spotlight. Yes, uh, we're gonna have Scott Garrett Graham's new album through the Looking Glass um, in the in the spotlight this this week. It's, it's awesome, so good. I mean, this is a buddy of ours, and he's a really talented artist. You've played with him uh, for years yep. and years and years. My band for eight years, and you helped on the album even. God, um, I mean-
0: Tiny, yeah, tiny bit of mixing, but for the most, it's it's all him. Like he wrote everything. He wrote uh, all pretty much all the parts. I mean, I think uh, his brother Matt played bass on a few tracks, and he probably wrote the bass lines. He's a phenomenal bassist. Uh, but Scott mixed the whole thing, and, and he just was like, you know what, I'm going to make a record, and did it, and put it out, and it's really good. And I'm not just saying that because you know he's my
1: bud. And uh, I would not be featuring this right. You would not. I, I'm a, I, yeah, I'm, I can be a little intense about helping friends. And, like, yes. and, I, and so, yeah, I completely believe in this album. And at some point, I'm probably going to try to talk him into letting me use some of his tracks. For if there's, one thing, if there's one thing that I will say about you
0: is that I have never heard a word come out of your mouth that I did not believe. <laughs> you, you don't say stuff unless you mean it and and you're completely honest and if you don't have something nice to say you just don't (laughs) say anything so i know when you don't like a song of mine or you're not happy because i was 10 minutes late somewhere or any of those things i realize yeah i know i can i can feel it you don't have to say anything uh in fact you don't say anything so i know because usually you are talking uh Anyway, okay, we just had a little bit ban- banter, but yes, Scott
1: Garrett Graham through the Looking Glass. Please check it out. For check sure. it out. We'll put links in the uh, show notes for sure. Um, stay tuned. Next week we are going. And great Perfect. job, Scott. Uh, next week we're going to be doing my favorite horror film, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, very excited about that. So stay awesome. tuned there, and don't forget to subscribe, review, leave us a note um, on iTunes if you want us to, you know, talk about a thing. If there's a specific type of I don't know analysis that you want let us know yeah. uh, and if you want to comment on this episode you can do that at the pistol com slash the cabin in the woods and also want to give a shout out to our man Joe Howes uh, he, yes. he's he been active in the comment boards uh, lately and yeah, uh, sharing Jim. the love and so go watch everything weta makes because that's our buddy <laughs> yeah. Joe. and we'll leave you with a quote of the day from wes craven and
0: this is a really good one i'm glad you picked this uh some people ask why people would go into a dark room to be scared i say they are already scared and they need to have that fear manipulated and massaged i think of horror movies as the disturbed dreams of a society That's I mean, that kind of harkens back to your what you said that David Fincher says, which is that everybody is perverted in some kind of way. Right. Right. Yeah. So it seems like they're kind of on the same the same page there. Everybody has disturbed dreams. Everybody has these thoughts when you're driving down the road. Just, you know, turn a little bit to the left. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. like what would happen? Not that you do it. Don't do it. But I think that we have to be honest with ourselves about these kinds of feelings that we have and, and thoughts that we have, because if we just don't acknowledge them, you know, not for everyone, but maybe over time they kind of like well up and then we take, we get angry at something. We go to a like a, you know, a one and a half when we should be at a, a, you know, a 0.25, you know what I mean? Um, those kinds of things. And, um, and so yeah, acknowledging the fact that, that we have these fears, but then, you know, having them kind of like, like validated yeah. for lack of a better term, you know, in a theater is, is
1: pr- pretty amazing. Right. That's badass. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, okay. I, <laughs> I don't know that I have anything I don't bad. know. Like I, I, yeah, I love the fact that, Certain movies, I think horror, especially horror, are going to be more impactful than others. And the ones that I generally don't like are the ones that are just shock value. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're just trying to push the envelope. Yeah, yeah, but why? Like, what is the what? Is, what is the meaning of this? What? Where are we trying to get to? Like, I don't need to just have crazy images in my head. Yeah. That's not going to help me, but if there's Perfect. some kind of emotional undercurrent that you're trying to point out about society or about uh, humanity, like, yeah, I, and I love exact everything you just said. I think it's so spot on. This is a way to explore some of these ideations. Um, and maybe, play it out and i think that's most of storytelling in general is okay. you know humanity learning more about ourselves and our history and just uh, other people because okay. other people comes from different walks of life and this is just a way for us to exercise some of these darker elements of of our psyche yeah, and man. it's useful yeah
0: anyway Thanks for joining us. Uh, like we said, please share us with your friends. Tell tell your friends about us. Uh, come and leave comments. Let us know what you want to hear us do. Uh, and until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies.